You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Welcome to episode 28.2, Van Top, brought to you by the Big Red Van. Each week we address all angles of one topic with cultural relevance. This week we discuss the process of brewing beer, what goes in it, what the heck is malted barley, and what exactly is a hop. All the answers and plenty more. Welcome to the Big Red Van. All right, welcome everybody. This is going to be a rare thing for us these days, a van top. Oh yeah. That we haven't we haven't released one of these in a while and this is pretty neat. Something that's near and dear to your heart and you're pretty much an expert at that we're going to dive in and kind of teach everybody and talk to you guys about how to brew beer and kind of what goes into brewing beer. So this is going to be very interesting. Something you've done. I've tasted some of your beer. It's actually very good. From and this is coming from someone that's not a connoisseur. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So Thank you. I mean, hell, I'd drink it. I drink it on a regular basis. You know what the best kind of beer is, though? What's that? Free beer. Yes, that's, that's maybe that's why it tastes better. So <laughs> that's because it's free. So we're gonna go back and forth on this. We've got some uh, some notes to go off of, and then maybe some banter to go with it. So why don't you start us off, man? Uh, so really, you know what what made me think about or wanted to do this was, uh, you know, have you ever wondered what malt? really is or how you get malt out of barley because i people... remember wondering that because when i first heard it as a i guess teen all i could think of was malt balls yeah you know or like mm-hmm. whoppers that was like malted milk um or like hops right and most people just know that word but they have no idea what it is and had no idea it was a plant or what yeast is or really what it's what's going on with that but the point is is we're gonna let you know today correct so I just said it. Barley, water, hops, and yeast. Those are the four ingredients that you make beer with. Uh, it's not just, you know, but it's not just a matter of mixing it up and the right amount of each ingredient and instantly you have beer. There's a complex series of reactions that you got to do to take that barley to sugar and combine it with yeast and make alcohol, you know. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on. They've here. been doing it for years, though, man. So, I mean, speaking of years, so people have been brewing beer for like thousands of years, mm-hmm. like not like hundreds of years, like thousands. Some of the oldest tombs and archaeological digs in uh, like ancient Sumeria, they contained remnants of beer, beer brewing ingredients. They even had a god for brewing beer. Didn't like, you talk about this on an episode before? Yeah, uh, episode seven. There you go. When I, I think in one of our, when we called this segment Three Top, I yep. talked about Sumeria, which is the oldest civilization. Yeah, and, and they brewed beer. Yeah, they did. And it was they, like, su- I remember you saying it was like sustenance for them. It was like food. Yeah, like it was like, a, you know, anthropologists think that that's the whole reason the city was even founded was because people wanted, all of a sudden they realized they had to stay somewhere to grow grain to make beer. Right. When they discovered how to make beer, they were like, well, we can't hunt or gather the ingredients for beer. We got to grow crops of it, you know, and then all of a sudden cities were born. That's right. I remember that conversation now. Beer made cities. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it especially became a staple, um, in human life in the middle ages when people really started to live in cities, uh, in close quarters, and poor sanitation, as we know of, like, you know, 
bring out your dad, you know. (laughs) Nine pence. Um, Shitting in the street. (laughs) But the alcohol and beer made it cleaner to drink than just water, because there was basically no good water around anywhere, especially inside of a city in the Middle Ages. So let's get drunk. Exactly. Yep. Um, In the 1400s, though, Germany... They made a type of beer. The Germans. Of course, they were the first. Of course. They made a beer that was fermented in the winter. So that was the thing, is beer, ale beer, uh, and we'll get into that later, like, it, you can only make it at certain times of the year. Once it gets cold, the yeast won't ferment, and so you can't make beer anymore. So the the Germans, because they are very smart, Mm -hmm. they figured out how to make beer in the wintertime using a different strain of yeast that they they figured out how to cultivate where they could brew beer in cold temperatures. Huh. Lager beer. There you go, Germans. Um, so we all know lager beer very well in America. Lager. Uh, <laughs> uh, mostly due to prohibition because they, it was the a very simple commodity of beer to make and it exploded during prohibition. And then now... Basically, the only beer you can find on the mass production scale up up until very recently is lager and Pilsner-style beer. Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller, Miller Light, Coors, n- any of them. They're all lager, Pilsner-style beers. Right. All of them. But... Which means that yeast that can be It's lager cold, yeast. Okay, gotcha. It's cold... Uh, the all, But the big thing about that, and, and you'll, we'll talk about it later, is it, it just... It, it's different. I don't know. It's just a different process. Gotcha. Um, another cool fact is, uh, and we all know this, you know, Prohibition was a 13-year event in 1920 that banned alcohol in the U.S. Big success. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the main incident that happened was that it forced, you know, obviously most breweries out of business, right? You know, when that became illegal, breweries shut dis- down, disappeared. Yeah. Um, but by the 13 years after it was over, when the law was repealed, only the largest breweries remained, and only the largest breweries made lager beer. Hence, like I said in Prohibition, it became the only beer that existed after Prohibition. I wonder if that was by design. But in the 90s, little regional breweries have started to make a comeback. Um, yeah, it took that long. <laughs> dude, and now like you have places like Asheville where there's like a thousand microbreweries. Mm-hmm. Like just in the whole region of Asheville, there's just like literally like a thousand. Um, which has increased the variety of beer available now. Now you go to the grocery store and you go to the beer section. It's like... <laughs> there's a whole aisle of dude, it, man. Yeah. Dude, I mean like of every kind of crazy concoction, you know, oatmeal, raisin, porter... Blo- I mean, c- cranberry stout, like, like what the hell is all this stuff that people are making, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, when I said earlier, the whole, uh, um, there's only four ingredients, you know, that used, it's not as hardcore today, more to just beer snobs, but in Europe, like, especially in Germany, like, you legally were not allowed to call it beer if it had anything other than those four ingredients, it could have those four plus something. It wasn't beer. Huh. Like if you added grapes to the equation and make it sweeter or something, it's not beer anymore. Hard line Legally, on what yeah. beer is. Legally, yeah. in Germany, you ha- it, to be called beer, it had to have just those four ingredients, period. <laughs> no less, no more. 
I mean, technically you couldn't have it if it had less, but anything additional. That's why like American like microbrewing scene has been such a uh, people. A lot of people frowned on it because people were just experimenting with just the craziest things. Like I just said, like right. cranberry mocha stout, which is like, kind of the way I see some of them. Right. Yeah. And I don't really get down with all those. I like them simple, good, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so let's talk about a little bit how it's made. I mean, I already said water, malted barley, hops, yeast. So like, let's dig into it. All right. So malted barley, that was something that I thought about malted barley and hops. Anytime I think of those, I can close my eyes and I think of the scene in Tommy Boy. I think it's Tommy Boy. (laughs) But uh, David Spade tells uh, Chris Farley that he has nothing but uh, malted hops and bong resin in his brain. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember seeing it at the time. And bong resin. I remember seeing that movie at the time, knowing what bong resin was, but not having a clue what malted hops was. So I'll talk about malted barley here. Um, barley is a grain. It looks a lot like wheat. It's grown and harvested pretty much in the same way. Uh, the part that's used to make beer, though, is just the seeds from the plant. So, But before barley can be used to make beer, it's got to be malted. Um, malted is a natural conversion process. So uh, barley first must be allowed to germinate, which germination means... Uh, it grows. Sprouting. Yeah, yeah. like... Mm. I've always, you've done the little trick where you put the seed in the paper towel. And yep. You know, to grow the flowers, whatever. You know, you got done it with Macy before. Yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. one of the it's cool most like oh oh my god. I also have a shitload of acorns around my house out here because I have nothing but oak trees, so I see plenty of germinating acorns as far as the eye can see around here. Yeah, and there's squirrels everywhere just burying oh, them. So burying them, they're germinating for days, <laughs> growing our trees. So, <laughs> uh, but like you just said, it's done by soaking barley in water for several days. And then by draining the barley and holding it at about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's got to be done for a time length of about five days or so. Okay. Um, So uh, the key to the malting process is to stop the germination of the barley at a point when the sugar-producing enzymes are present, but most of the starch is still unconverted into sugars. So um, if you understand the process of how starch breaks down, it breaks down into sugar. Right. So um, it's kind of about, that's like one of the keys to the process is the time that you stop it in that. So the enzymes that produce the sh- will produce sugars that will feed the yeast. You mentioned yeast is necessary in making beer. Um, it's The sh- enzymes produce the sugar's food, basically, uh, for the yeast that uh, makes alcohol in the beer. Makes it what gets you drunk. Mm, so The best part. The best part of it. So after the natural <laughs> process releases these enzymes, the green malt is dried by gradually raising the temperature from that 60 degrees up. The intensity of the malt flavor and the color depends on how high the temperature is raised during that process. So that's kind of how you get the difference between dark or light beer. Blew my mind when I read that. You know, that's like one of my favorite misconceptions too, is like I hear it all the time oh guinness is so heavy like guinness is not heavy at all like it might be like in your head you think it's heavy but it's like the same amount of carbs and calories as a budweiser it is like literally the same it's just black and has a little bit of maledextrin in it like to make it creamy like but it's black because the you like you just said the the barley is then roasted 
till it's black. Right. And then when you make beer out of it, of course it's going to turn the water black because it's, it's black. It to black, correct. It's not that it's thick or like, you know. But you just said it has some creamy Yeah, it shit. has a little bit of... It's we're not gonna, We're not going to talk about this, but this is a cool fact, though. Malodextrin, which is milk sugar, uh, beer yeast can't eat it. Okay? So you would think yeast, it eats sugar, makes alcohol. Okay? Like, but beer yeast can't eat milk sugar. So what they discovered when Guinness made, what was it, 1800-something, when Guinness came up with his recipe, he added milk to his brewing process. And then at the end result, that dark roasted stout also was a little creamy because it stayed creamy and sweet because the milk sugar didn't get fermented with the beer. Gotcha. And so that melodextrin stays all the way until you drink it. It doesn't get fermented at all. Hmm. So that's a cool another fact. Hell yeah, that's a cool fact. But, I mean, that's the malted barley part, so... Hops. Hops. Hops, the other ingredient. Now, hops Uh, is a plant, right? It is a vine. Vine, okay. Um, The hops used to make beer are the flower from that vine. Um, The little green acorn-looking thing? You're going to love this part, though. It's a member of the hemp family. I do love that. I bet newspaper Uh, companies hate it. um, Hops are actually... Closely rated, uh, most closely related to the most common member of the hemp family that you can think of, cannabis or marijuana. It's literally, of the whole hemp tree of life, of all the different kinds. Like its brother. It's the closest cousin. Damn. However, doesn't have any of the psychoactive effects like its, its cousin has. No, but the people that probably invented all this whole process we're going through... Probably had them side by side, <laughs> and they were like, "This one does this." There's got to be something in this one that does something similar. Let's figure it out. Um, and, and to be totally honest, I don't think hops was actually a. How many, how many times do you think they smoked hops before they like expected <laughs> something to happen? <laughs> um, a lot, uh, probably. Because yeah. I'll be honest, like I if I've seen pictures of both. Yeah. And they actually, there's very similar, like, they look a lot alike. Sell, sell somebody a bag full of hops, buds. That would be so <laughs> funny. But, um, so the whole point of adding hops is that hops contain acids, which give beer its bitterness, as well as the oils in it give beer some of its flavor and aroma. Um, but adding hop to beer also inhibits the formation of certain bacteria that spoil the beer. And so that's how you get the different smelling beers. It's really the different hops that they use. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. I mean, essentially, you already talked so about... So the barley gives it its color. Color and, like, its uh, maltiness. Like how... So the hops cream, is going to give it sugary its smell. And it yes. The aroma This is so smell. cool. Um, but here's another, because I love those fun facts. You ready for another one? So, a cool story about why India Pale Ales exist. Everybody's heard that word, IPA. Mm-hmm. You, you see it everywhere these days. So, when England was sailing back and forth around the tip of Africa to Asia and India, um, or India, which is, of course, part of Asia, mm-hmm. what am I saying? Um, there were a lot of British people who settled in India, but they still wanted to drink their proper British pale ale. Of course they did. Um, so, that was, of course, brewed in England. Um, at their favorite breweries, okay? But the beer would not, wouldn't make the journey 
around the tip of Africa to Asia. It'd be spoiled by that point. Mm-hmm. So, since hops, like you, I was saying... You'd be one uppity son of a bitch if you wouldn't drink beer until the boat brought it to you from around the tip of Africa. Right? I mean... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Come on. Uh, couldn't drink that. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I don't... It would make the trip, right? No, I mean, but it would be spoiled. It would be spoiled, like... Nasty. I guess beer back in those days for sure. Um, but like so, I said so. Since no, hops, no born on date printed on those beers. <laughs> <laughs> but since hops, acidity and bitterness help regulate bacterial growth. Like I said, they added tons of super bitter hops to the beer to preserve it for the long journey. Okay, so it acts as a preservative. Yeah, like I, I, I was, I pointed that out like that. Adding hops also inhibits the bacterial growth from certain bacteria in the beer. I didn't just put that together with being a preservative, so yeah. that's cool. So what they discovered was if they just add a shitload of hops that are super bitter to the beer, it would make the journey to India. There you go. Hence the name, the India Pale Ale, and hence the reason it's so hoppy and aromatic is because they add tons and tons of hops to it per the tradition. That's pretty cool. Isn't that neat? Now, anytime I see IPA on anything, like that bottle sitting over there to my right. Yeah, that one right here. Yeah. Uh, Loganitas. One of my favorites, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I had no idea. Um, so, British people who drank this beer in India eventually gained a preference for this, and that's how that beer was born. And um, But, you know, there are many different kinds of hops. Each give their give a different taste, aroma... The amount of bitterness to the beer it's used in. I mean, in the United States, hops are grown mainly in Washington, a little bit of Northern California, kind of like wine country. It's got to be like just right. Right. Okay. A hop- it's a vine, so <clears throat> vine stuff is going to grow the best up there. Yeah, and and what's really cool is like you know because I do a lot of beer brewing is like how different hops from different regions are. I mean that's a real thing. I mean like these kinds of hops are way more bitter, and these are way more. Uh, aromatic and like California grows these hops called Cascade hops and they literally like smell and taste like a citrus fruit hmm. you know like if you ever sipped on well, one of those well you see those like it, whether it's a beer commercial or Sam Adams or anything like that they're like grabbing and yeah. you know oh dude like yeah that. a handful of hops smells so good hmm. yeah so good we're going to hops right on over into talking about yeast. Yeah, that's right, so man. So the yeast is, is what? It's going to be – inhibits the growth, correct? It's the magic. The magic maker is the yeast. So <clears throat> anytime I uh, – I, I didn't ever think about yeast in a positive way. Any t- anytime <laughs> I heard yeast, you know, it's just one of those words when you're younger. It's like, what? No, it's gross. But yeast is actually something that's extremely important in the growth of, whether it be our food, like bread, yeah. things like that. You know, yeast is something that uh, is extremely important in the process of making beer. So it's a single-celled microorganism that's responsible for creating the alcohol and the carbon dioxide found in the beer. Like the carbon dioxide is just a process, mm-hmm. the result of the process. Yep. So it's what comes after. Um, there are many different kinds of yeast used to make beer, and they all have... Um, their own characteristic character traits, excuse me, that affect the flavor of the beer. So, again, you talked about the hops that affects it, the yeast that affects it. So that's how you can get all these different types of beers. Is, there, 
there's this super cool um, like monk style brewery, like because I'm sure you know like monks brewed beer and mead and all that sort of stuff back in the Middle Ages and all that. There's this really awesome. It's been around for hundreds of years, and I, I want to say it's in Belgium, but uh, it's like a monk style brewery where like these traditional monks brew it. But the yeast that they use is like the same yeast that's been used for since the beginning, but it like changes. It's like a natural yeast, like where uh, we'll talk about this later, but like the, where the beer process has to be sealed and sterile and all that sort of stuff. Like they don't care. They're like literally like, let all the yeists get in here. Like, and it's just how they make their beer. And it's apparently phenomenal and it takes them a long, long time to make it. And it's super expensive, but it was just like, it's literally just vats in a barn and like the natural yeast that float around in the air is what they allow to just like inoculate the, the beer. It's crazy. It's, it's weird, but it's just, they've been doing it there so long that I guess just like those natural yeast that are in the air are also the ones they want. And well, hell yeah. They ain't going to be doing that in any, just any barn. I know it's crazy. They dude. must have just a magic yeast filled barn. I was watching this like on like a travel channel special about breweries in other countries. Ooh. And I was just like, it's open. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I literally just sitting there like jaw dropped, like huh? my mind just racing. Like, how do they not die when they drink it? Like, you know, that's crazy. I mean, I, I wonder what the taste is like though. I wonder if it tastes anything like barn. You know, <laughs> like it's like barn because like that's basically what the yeast is going to do. I mean, a good example is using sourdough starter yeast to make sourdough bread. Yeah. So I mean, and how it changes the flavor of the bread. It's the same thing that translates uh, into beer. There are two main categories of beer yeast. There's the ale yeast and the lager yeast. You talked about that, I think. Um, but there are dozens of species of yeast used all over the world to make beer. Like some people use the air in their barn yeast to yep. make great beer. So um, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. Some places brew their beer with just whatever is just there. Some people go to markets and specifically buy certain yeasts from certain regions. So it just depends on really what they're shooting for. And like you said, you add cranberries and milk and <laughs> milk duds and milk duds who knows almonds to your beer these days um ale yeast is top fermenting meaning it rises near the surface of the beer so that's can, so that's what i was talking about like basically since the beginning of time that we've been brewing that's the kind of yeasts that we've made beer out of is ale like normal in the summertime it brews fine right but when it got winter and cold it didn't work anymore Hence, the second one there. The lager yeast. Yeah. The bottom f- fermenting ones, which they ferment more slowly, preferably at colder temperatures around about 50 degrees versus the uh, ale yeast at 70 degrees. So, like you said, once they figured that out, the Germans. They're smart. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and the last ingredient was water. So water. I don't, I don't know what. Let me get some of that water. I don't really think we need to explain water other than the fact that it needs to be clean clear just good looking water that's really all you need to know and water's in everything <laughs> it really is <clears throat> and a lot of those uh like german there's a lot of like in europe the breweries that are the same brewery that's been there forever and they have like a spring that they get their water out of or something like to make their beer so i mean it's like typically good clean spring water so technically beer is just flavored water beer is technically 
it is hop tea <laughs> that is sweet tea that's rotten. Every drink that you drink is flavored water. Yeah. Is, is a way to look at it. I, I, I just, yeah. It's it's rotten, sweet hop tea. There you go. That's technically not what it is. Really it's fermented. Sweet. That's technically rotting. Well, it's great. <clears throat> well, it's let's decomposing. Talk about the mash. So, not the monster mash, <laughs> but the mash is the process that converts the starches I mentioned earlier into malted, in the mar- malted barley. So, I was talking about how the starches were inside that malt. It was like the very beginning. They turn that into fermentable sugars. So most breweries use a large kettle, varying in size from like one like you've got, what, six (laughs) gallons? Yeah. (laughs) To like a 10,000 gallon tank that you could see outside of like Smoky Mountain Brewery on the side of their, on the side of their building. Um, They heat up the malted barley and water to around 155 to 160 degrees Fahrenheit and it allows the sugars to separate and dissolve into the water. So that's prime temperature, I suppose. Um, then they drain all of the sugary water, which is known as wort, uh, from the kettle, leaving the husk of... Did I say that right? Is yeah. it wort? <clears throat> um, leaving the husk of the malted barley behind. So, cool fact, uh, a lot of breweries take the used barley and use it as an ingredient in grain-heavy things, such as dog treats, fish foods, you yeah. name it. I've, so. I've actually been to a lot of breweries that do that, like where they... Uh, they have like a whole line of dog treats that they can you can buy in like their store because you know most of those big cool breweries they've got like a bar and a gift shop and you can tour the place and all that sort of stuff. But they have like a dog section where they sell you. I can only imagine the byproducts that they have of the things that come from it. You know, we talked about Anheuser Busch during hurricanes being able to bottle up what can water and send all of their extra water that they had. You know, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, you know, important fact to know though, anybody that gets into beer brewing, now there are warning labels on the packages, but raw hops as in unboiled, you know, once it's been boiled and cooked, it loses this, this ability, but, uh, raw hops for dogs is deadly. Wow. As in, do not let your dogs eat any of your hops. Isn't that like dogs and chocolate or something? Yeah, but way more toxic than chocolate apparently it gives them malignant hypothermia and they're like dead in a couple days holy shit yeah so be careful with your hops around your dogs i I like had thought about like oh i want to grow some hops and like really get down to like make beer from scratch scratch and then then i was reading into hops and that they're toxic for dogs and only if i want to say bye to turbotronic yeah i was like you know what i don't want that mike same reason why i don't want to grow grapes i kind of really wanted to grow grapes for the same reason, you just to have grapes or maybe potentially make some wine. Right. Just for fun. Right. You know? Right. But then it was like, grapes are also really, really bad for dogs. Not on the scale of hops and chocolate, but still really bad. And I was like, yeah. We'll Shit. Sk- I'm going to skip. Yeah, we'll skip it. But we'll skip it for Robin. Sir Robin Ignatius. Sir Rob- Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Wolf. <laughs> so that's, that's that. So... You know, then you take that mash of what you got, or you said you pull the li- the liquid wort, 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 v- vert, not vert, not vert. vert. Uh, you set, you know, you you drain that out of that tank, sugar and then, water, and then that goes sugar into your water. boil. That's right. what they call the boil, um, which is basically the point where you officially are going to pasteurize this beer so that it is clean of all bacteria. And typically, most most beers 
boil about an hour. This sounds like a lot of steps so far. Is it a lot of steps? Uh, well, like when you're going through it, it's it's funny how like a lot of the steps have changed over the centuries. As in, like way, way, way back, it was like crush up some grain, throw it in a pot with water, and let it sit for a few weeks, and come back and drink the water off of it, <laughs> and that was beer, right? Which was it was just horrible, chunky, like literally chunky, like they just would drink the chunks or pull the chunks out but that's like what beer was and then later in they started understanding what pasteurization is and how it makes it sterile so when you add the yeast you only get what you want in there and you know this this, science what, what we're going over is how beer is made today but you know for example they didn't even know yeast was a thing until i want to say like a few hundred years ago maybe not even that long ago like, they didn't even know that, that was part of it. They were just like, yeah, like, just take some of the foam off of this one and throw it in this one, and it keeps it going. Right. Like, that's just how it was. Like, though, I was talking about the, the open vat monks brewery that I was talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, like, literally in that same thing, they'd have this vat going, and they're like, yeah, we just finished, uh, you know, boiling this one, so it's time to yeast it. And then the dude just whips out a big, like, pizza peel-looking thing. And just goes over and skims off the top of this pile and then just hurls it over into the other one. He's like, all right, there we go. There you go. <laughs> Let's just self-yeast it. Yeah, like that. that's the process like of the old style. But what we're talking about is they boil it. They boil it about an hour. But you still never answered my question. Oh. Is it a long pro- – it seems like a long process. Is Are these steps to go quickly from one to the next or is it actually this like – no, they're pretty hard of a process. Uh, all of this initial stuff right here in a big facility, man, they can crank this shit out because they got augers and you know pressurized pump systems and all sorts of stuff that they can make all and super fast heating elements. Right, when they need to boil this ten thousand gallons of beer. Like it's all automated. They basically go in and push buttons. Right, but like for me as a home brewer, I mean, it takes me a few hours. Gotcha. Okay. You know, uh, so not like, as bad as I thought. Like the when you were talking about um, making the wort, where you have to put the grains in there, that takes about forty-five minutes. You know, of like washing the grains in the hot water and then straining them out to get all the sugars out. That's about forty-five minutes. Gotcha. And then, then you got to think about how good of an oven or a stovetop do you have to get it to to get this five, six gallons of wort you've made to boil, like that takes time. And then it's got to boil for an hour. Then you got to cool it down. Like, so some know. of it is just time. It's some just of it's waiting. Time. So, well, actually, you know, that's the work part. That's where you have to actually do things. Then letting it ferment is where you just let it sit on your counter for three weeks. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that's the, that's that we'll part. get there. But, um, so during the boil, that's also when you add the hops. Okay, so we already learned about the hops, but you gotta. This is when you actually put them in there. Um, so the amount of the hops and at what point you put them in, like in during that hour decides how aromatic and how bitter the beer is going to be. So adding hops early typically brings out the bitterness of whatever hops you add in because they are boiled longer and all the aromatic properties boil away, leaving just the bitterness. And then adding hops later in the boil obviously doesn't allow the plant to break down as much, releasing the bitterness, but allows the aromatic flavors to remain. 
And so that's how you get all those different things. That hop I was talking about before, the Cascade in California, that's like the go-to hop for basically all American-style IPAs, and they'll add it right at the end of the boil to just have that citrusy, fruity, aromatic smell in their beer. And, I mean, it's it's just, it's nice. You know, it smells good. You know, some people hate it, but it's like the go-to hop, and that's what they do. They have, like, all their bittering hops and all the flavor hops up front, and then at the end of the process, like five minutes before they're done boiling, they'll throw in a... And that one's for smell. That one's just for the smell. Huh. Have have you ever gotten that yeast or that hop before? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I've made several beers with Cascade and hops in it. Nice. Many, I should say. Not more than several. Many. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I there's Columbus hops that are like ultra bitter. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot. Um... But most beers use a variety, and they're added at different times, um, and that's how you really refli- refine the flavor of hoppiness for whatever beer you want to make. So, um, but the next is, what do you do when you're done boiling it? You got to ferment that stuff. Yeah. So fermenting <clears throat> the wort must wort must be cooled down to the proper temperature for the yeast because too hot of wort would kill the yeast. Yeast is a living organism, and yep. it's just one of those things that you just got to live with. It's like eating yogurt, you know? It's living inside of you, and it's living while you're eating it. Deal with it. And so it's important to cool the wort quickly so that the yeast can be added right away and the fermentation can begin. This reduces the chance of contamination by stray yeasts floating around in the air like the barn one. Like the bar- I know. I just It blows my mind. That one really is, is crazy. I'm going to keep going back to that one because of how, uh, you know, Out of everything I know about making about contamination. Beer. Out of everything I know about making beer, that place that I saw on the Travel Channel that going to all these breweries made me like doubt everything. It just defies everything. I'm like, what is this place doing? <laughs> That's great. Fermentation is the process by which yeast converts the glucose in the wort to ethyl alcohol and carbon dioxide gas, giving the beer both its alcohol content and its carbonation. So the carbon dioxide is hence the carbonation, and... Uh, then the result of the ethyl alcohol being what makes you drunk. So, boom. <clears throat> to begin the fermentation process, the cooled wort is transfor- transferred, not transformed. It's transferred into a fermentation vessel to which the yeast has already been added. So, what it's like already in a bucket where yeast would, is already yeah, yeah. in, or a, they uh, ba- like the most vat. Big, yeah, most breweries will have a like a little sterile bucket of of like distilled water, and then there'll be like a whole fistful of yeast in there like dissolving in that water and then they'll dump that into the fermenter and then they start dumping in the wort on top of it and it mixes it up as it's getting dumped in there so fermentation takes at least two weeks you said earlier about three weeks or so for what you do on your counter yeah it's also one of those things like commercial scale operations versus home for sure like they will definitely big scale operations definitely rush things like in the sense of uh, they might only ferment it for six days and then they'll just like filter the crap out of it to make it clear and pretty and then can it and go. Like, whereas the home brewing process, like, you don't, I could totally invest tons of money into buying big filter machines and all this stuff. I could also just be patient. <laughs> and, there you go. <laughs> 
And so the whole point that that six days is is it? Yeah. It's funny how patience will save you a lot of money and everything. Six days will get you the alcohol. The alcohol is there in six days, except the remaining few weeks after that is allows the refining to happen, where all the little tiny bits of sugar that are still floating around get eaten up. All that yeast starts to chill out and kind of get tired. And then it starts to fall and fall, and then it'll naturally clarify itself. Right. All the sugar will get eaten. All the yeast will get full and go dormant. And then everything just starts to settle at the bottom, and you'll get this nice, thick layer of just everything that you don't want settles at the bottom. And then you siphon the clear beer out of top, off the top. There you go. But these big commercial-scale places are like... Screw that. Brew beer six days, filter the crap out of it, ship it down the line. Right. You know, and it's not drastically different, but, you know, it's just the right way and the fast way is the way I like to look at it. There you go. It's like making uh, a salad the right way or the fast way. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Like those damn places that give you a salad that's... Iceberg lettuce. That's the wedge. I don't... Dude, I'll... I don't get it. Like, people are like, yeah, can I get a wedge salad? I'm like... It's, it's, they don't even chop up the lettuce for you. Like, it's just, they just, they just give you a slice and there's probably like half a tomato laying there, like, and then like a carrot. And and they're like, you gotta like cut this up yourself or eat it with your hands. We're too lazy to make your salad. Like, what the hell happened to just like chopping up some vegetables in a bowl for you and it's a salad? Well, they're high, they paid their chef $9.50. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So it's gotta look fancier. Let's just cut it into like four giant pieces. And then you just figure it out. So when the wort is first added to the yeast, uh, the density of the li- of the liquid is measured. So that's referred to as the specific gravity of the mixture. So sugar water is more dense than alcohol water. So by measuring the beginning, the beginning, middle, and end specific gravity, the alcohol by volume can be determined, whether it's 40%. 80 proof you know like oh, you're some talking about shit, some liquor some liquor <laughs> or if it's like two and a half four yeah most most beers like in the the four to six i think yeah I mean, for, it just depends like you know of course they make high gravity beers and you know a lot of beers they'll dub the imperial of whatever it is which is generally like an eight nine or higher alcohol content but most you don't typically breach above 12 because then when you're then you're getting into wine country as far as alcohol content, you know, 12 and above is typically wine country. Right, and then you get into 40, and then you're in the liquor. Oh, yeah. But don't get me wrong. There's some companies that, um, uh, I think Rogue, I don't know if you, Rogue, they're from, uh, I think, Washington. Um, wine? No, uh, beer. They're like a super high-end craft beer company, and they make this, they, or they've made, like, these special edition beers that they only make, like, 300 bottles of it um but like they made one that was like a 26 percent bs like like crazy crazy high alcohol like imperial porter of some kind only gotta drink one oh dude more like it's one of those that like you just don't open it you just let it sit on the shelf you know because it's one of those that can naturally age and sit there for a long time it's kind of like a wine because it's so high in alcohol like it's not going to spoil um but like if it's kept in conditions like wine is like cool you know right but yeah that's one of those where it's just like you're drinking you bust that open at a fancy party you know and everybody has like a little two ounce glass of it is what that is but true 
But yeah, dude, they, they make some crazy shit. So that's insane. You pretty much already described the rest of the fermentation process with how it works and how it settles at the bottom and then how they skim it off the top or they yeah. use a cone to, to draw it out. So, yeah. Um, what's after fermentation? So once you got all the goodness and it's done, you got to bottle and keg it. So kegerators. <laughs> so, um, the beer gets cooled down to about 32 degrees. Uh, unless it's Coors Light. And then it's sub, they cool sub it, freezing. They cool it in the mountains. <laughs> it's directly from the mountains. Um, but a tap in the, the reason they cool it before they do this is because it actually, that makes any yeast left totally just shut down and fall. Like I was talking about, uh, you know, after it gets full and gets all the sugars are gone, it'll settle at the bottom. So super cold temperature also makes it do the same thing. It just like, Oh God, I'm tired. Let's go. And it just passes out and falls. makes everything do that. makes Hornets do the same thing. Yeah. Um, it also makes a few other like things that you don't really want in your beer. Um, I mean, not any things that are bad, just helps with flavor, like certain proteins, they'll, uh, come out of solution at that temperature and also settle. Um, but anyways, so then they go on to keg or can the beer. Um, so the most important thing about bottling and the kegging process is to keep the beer from being contaminated from other yeast or too much oxygen that'll allow it to spoil. See, again, that's like the fifth thing that is referred to, that is referred to, uh, making sure no contamination happens or yeah. no other yeasts happen. And I'm keep going back to barn beer. Like <laughs> that is so crazy how specific everything is about anti-contamination. I know that telling you uh, that's where my head was too. And I'm sure that the Sumerians were like, they were good with, Oh, they're like barn beer. Extra Sumerians yeasts. were making barn beer for sure. And they were chewing on their beer. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, you want to make sure these things are right, so to keep the shelf life of your beer good. Because even, like, quote-unquote contaminated beer, it's still beer, and it's drinkable. It just might not taste very good, because it's got some other funky thing growing in there. But you're probably going to be okay drinking it. Like, it's not going to... Probably. Like, probably. BRV can't It may it. make you sick. Yeah. But, you know, unless it's, like, straight up something stagnant, like, you're going to be fine. But anyways, like, there's two ways to bottle or keg. There's forced carbonation, which is where they literally blast CO2 into the into the beer. Like, sealing, uh, like, you know, they blast it in there and then seal it. And then that extra carbonation in there, obviously, carbonates the beer or the keg, or the bottle or the keg. The other, and I love this, this is like home brewing process, but also, like I said, there's the quick way. And there's the right way. Of course. Um, so, like, Sierra Nevada, for example, they make a beer. Um, it's called a, a bottle-conditioned porter. And so bottle-conditioned means that the process of carbonating the beer is done by, you know, right before it's all, yeah, they've crashed it down to 32, and they're getting ready to put it into bottles. Instead of forcing some CO2 into it, they add just a little bit more sugar, just a tiny bit. And, of course, there's still some yeasts in there that are dormant at this point. You know, they can't filter out them all. But they add just a little bit more sugar, and then they bottle it, put the cap on, and then they let it sit on a shelf for three weeks. And in that three weeks, that little bit of sugar reactivates some of those yeast particles that have gone dormant and makes a little bit more CO2 naturally and carbonates the beer. 
enough to carbonate the beer? Yeah. Wow. It's of course a perfect. It's a ratio thing. This much sugar would it will make the beer under this many psi of pressure. Sure. I mean, it's very specific. I've made that mistake before by being off by a little bit, and my beers were like exploding. Oh, <laughs> Jeff, when he he, uh, he listens from time to time, he did this once with a pumpkin ale, and he ended up calling it his like exploding pumpkin ale beer because he made like fifty bottles of it and had it in his garage, and like twenty of them exploded. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> like, and I I mean like exploded, like they just like the bottle just and then. There's just pieces everywhere, and that is great. Yeah, science. But but that's how you bottle and you keg it, you know. And that's really where, where the process ends. You know, that's when it gets put in a cardboard box. It gets you know sold to your and local grocery store. And frat parties or and, and frat parties. Well, we're thinking the kegs and stuff. But oh yeah, <clears throat> see, but you know, I, see, I also keg my beer too, though. So, that's true. You know, I do um, when if I'm making a bottle beer. I mean, it's, it's got to be the natural way, but I do have to force carbonate some of my beers, but I do let them age in a carboy for clarity for like, you know, upwards of a month so that my beer comes out, you know, all those things have had time to truly settle. So it's nice and clear. Huh? Well, I'll say this. This has been interesting. Obviously, I've known that you brew your own beer and that you do that, and I've tasted it from time over the years, from when you first started doing it to now that you have your own handmade bar with triple tap constantly. Oh, don't make me brag about my bar. Constantly on tap. Oh, you're going to have to post pictures again. I think you got to have them on Facebook, but you're going to need to okay. link them onto the BRV. But Because it's impressive, dude. I'll brag on it for you. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, but the fact that you put your own beer in there is pretty freaking cool. You know, I think that's really awesome. Uh, so you can see pictures on uh, – we'll just put them on Twitter or Instagram or both. Facebook for sure. Uh, but Hayden has his own bar that he handcrafted, and it's got his own beer that he makes, taps underneath, and uh, handles for him that you pull up and sit and drink, and it's it's really awesome. But for me to learn as much as we've learned about the whole process and how many different options there are and how beer not only gets its flavor, its taste, its intensity, but all those things from basically all of the different sources provide its aroma from each mm-hmm. different each different source. So It's crazy. Cool. Like, you know, when you think of like uh how you can possibly have that many beers out there, it's just like That's any, how. It's just it's that is why. Because yeah. There's so many variations of how much you cook your malt, you know, or cook your uh, barley to make your malted mar- malted barley. Like, there's obviously a full spectrum of how well done you can make those. There's obviously different types of barley you can use. Uh, I mean, there's a hundred thousand different kinds of yeast in in the world. I mean, like, yeast is one of those things that man, are there a lot of them? And same thing with hops, man. It's just like anything. They can make hybrids, breed new species of hops, just like they do with corn and tomatoes and everything else. Like It's just a never-ending beast. Yeah, I mean, I just um, pulled out my calculator and just doing something really fast. If you think about there's the four main ingredients, right? Yep. And then there's, if you throw anything else in there, go up to six, you know, or different types of hops or different types of yeast. 
one times two times three times four times five times six that right there is like four thousand something yeah <laughs> so of course there's that many beers yeah. you know so you just figure that out and the, the possibilities of adding all those different things together it's just and even the hops man it's like it all de- the flavor you get depends on at what point you put it in the boil Right. I mean, like, Timing you can be like, you know lot. what, I'm yeah. going to throw an ounce of this one in in 10 minutes, and then I'm going to throw two ounces of this in at 30 minutes. Like you said, at the end for aroma. Yeah, and then I'm going to throw an ounce of Cascade in there just in the last two minutes, just mm-hmm. just for a little, hmm, you know, like. It's like cooking. It is. Yeah. It is cooking. That's true. I guess that's why I like it. I don't know, because I like to cook, too. That's true. This is really interesting, dude. So give them our spot, and we'll get out of here. So, you know, we've talked about it all the time, you know, where we say, uh, you know, you give us that five-star review, and uh, we're going to read it on the air. So, you know, we really love to make sure everybody knows how to do that, so we're going to remind you one more time. So, podcast app, Apple, if you're an Android user, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is only for the podcast app. Yeah, I mean, you can go to our Facebook, you can go to our Twitter, you can go to our Instagram, you can go anywhere and give us some praise. And I'm sure that we will read it. Oh, you're damn right. If you're an Android user and you want to give us some I just can't read the little hand clap emoji. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, yeah. um, Although, I'll take it. Get with the iPhone. Um, You know, you can also just go to iTunes.com and just leave reviews on there and not come to think of it. So you know you could send Amazon an email and say you know you guys need to sponsor these dudes. That's a fantastic idea. You know we could do marketing. We could partner, but but uh, Apple Podcast app. Scroll all. Go to your uh, your big red van under your shows tab. Scroll down and keep scrolling all the way to the bottom. And there's a stars one two three four five of them. Click the fifth one. Write us a nice review. And we'll read it on the air. Definitely. We're going to read it for you. We're going to give you a shout out. And we're going to love you for it. So uh, this has been a fun van top. Van top. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. We didn't have uh, Malcolm here to say it. So uh, anyway, man, this has been been really good. Communicate again with us however you want to. Uh, Emails are great. Give us that review. We'll give you shouts out. Shouts outs. We'll give you two. Shouts outs. Like... uh, Yikriston. Yikriston. I'll, I'll never forget Yikriston. And uh, what was it? It was, how did you say it? Taipei. Uh, yeah, Taipei Uzaname. Taipei Name Uzaname. Yeah, Taipei Uzaname. Yeah, Taipei Uzaname. Haradude. 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 Yeah, that was priceless. Yeah, man. He's a, a warrior king <laughs> from Okinawa. From Sub- Sumeria. No, it's from Okinawa. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody, for Man Top. We're going to catch you on the next one. <laughs>